Hello, welcome to the first episode of Art and Victory. I'm Christian Pearson and I'm honored to moderate our panels today. We're in The Resonator in Norman, Oklahoma. So we're thankful to be here in this creative space and we have three amazing panelists here today that will be discussing making your first album. Could y'all please introduce yourselves? Hello, I'm Severin Olson. Um, I'm the lead singer and guitarist for Brooding. Um, I do all the recording and writing for Brooding, and that's been going on for about five years. So, um, yeah, that's me. My name is Sophia Massad. I have my own band. I play a lot of instruments. Uh, I'm a singer, songwriter, vocal coach, and producer. Yeah. My name is Desiree Yerby. I uh, own Gostis.net. Um, I also do social media marketing for musicians and teach at ACM. Right on. Well, we'll hop right in. Uh, we've got a panel that, you know, y'all are musicians, y'all are people who work with musicians in different capacities. Um, I guess right off the bat, um, what, why do you do what you do? And, and I'll tie it into kind of your specific role, but Severin, you want to kick it off? do um i love meeting new people making connections um through music um i've met countless people you know recording and uh mixing and just talking on online about music um and just the overall love of it i guess yeah uh, why do i do what i do that's a great question um i guess i've just always done music um I grew up doing it. I started singing when I was 10 or 11 and just kept doing it. Right on, right on. Um, I, <laughs> I say I went to a hip hop show when I was 16 and I got those little goosebumps that some, they say everybody doesn't get, but I got them. And then I just wanted to chase the goosebumps and this is how I got here, but yeah. That's awesome, so just kind of a general excitement. Mm-hmm. I, I dig that, and sometimes the stuff that's hard to define is kind of the best stuff, so. Yeah, makes you, it, you can, I mean, I feel like it's a journey to try to figure out things, but I also felt like um, there is a hole for some of the things that I do in the city, so. Absolutely, yeah. kind of like filling a need. Cool, well, let, let's hop into to some specifics. Uh, I know at least two of y'all have recorded an album, and Des, I know, has worked with a lot of people. Ooh, definitely helped. Right, definitely helped. <laughs> A lot. Uh, you've probably seen a lot of first albums, in fact. Um, yeah, a lot of first songs, first studio sessions, first, yeah, a bunch a, of stuff. A lot of First official, parts. like a lot of people put out albums and then there's a kind of time where you have to be like really serious about what you're doing. Right. So I think there comes a time where you're like, okay, you, you can record, didn't really get the mixing you wanted, didn't, really didn't get the mastering that you wanted, and then you just hit a point where you're just like, I want to be as serious as I can. Gotcha. So, yeah. can, you can you tell us about a specific artist? You don't necessarily have to use their name, but, but tell us about one artist that you think really exemplifies what you think of when you think recording your first album. Um, I, <laughs> well, there's an artist in Tulsa that he put out an album and it was really meaningful, but it, listening to it back, um, we realized that it wasn't the quality that it should have been. Hmm. So went back to a drawing board two years later, put out another album, and it's fantastic. But I think um, when it comes to 
something that you're not using instrumentation in um, live in the studio. There's a certain type of mixing mastering that has to be done where things become timeless. And that's, those are the things that set you apart from other people. And I always say um, to use as much money as you can on the quality part. Um, because that's the part that's gonna last forever. Yeah, that, that's the stuff that makes you think like, oh, um, 15 years from now, it still sounds like it's brand new. Gotcha. So yeah. So not skimping on just the quality of the product. I love that. Uh, we'll probably come back to that in some of the artists you've worked with. Sophia, I want to hear about your first album. Oh. Uh, so I started recording my first album when I was 16. Uh, and I didn't know anybody in the music industry at all, really. And I was super shy. So I pretty much just recorded with the first person I found who I knew did recording. I didn't really know that I should find somebody that likes the same music that I like. I didn't know really anything about it, so I just went with the first person I found, and now looking back on it, I spent way too much money, which is a big deal. Like, definitely compare prices and make sure that you're getting quality for what you're paying for, and I think a big thing was just that when I recorded it, this, the person that I recorded it with was really into pop music and, like, almost Britney Spears sounding, and I was going for more rock and roll, and it ended up sounding more pop. Even though we went in and recorded instruments, you know, they added their own synth stuff and all that, and I was too shy, and I didn't really know what I was doing, so I felt like, well, they know what they're doing, they say this is good, so I'll just go with it. Hmm. So that's kind of, you know, I think a big thing is to know what you want and to express that to whoever's recording. Yeah, I could see it being really challenging if it's your first rodeo to even know what you want. I mean, you've never done it before, right? So if, let's say I've never recorded an album. I'm just trying to find my sound because I'm a young artist. How do I shop around for the right producer or the, or, or the right team to help me to help draw the creativity out of me that I'll be proud of? How, how do I search for that? Yeah, I think a big thing is, you know, first of all, finding the right people. Um, for me, it was just my vocal coach. She had a person who she went to and she did a lot of pop stuff. But they told me to look around, and I was just too reluctant, I guess. And I think that really, I mean, there's a lot of places in Oklahoma, especially, that you can record at, a lot of studios. And, you know, I just didn't think it was worth my time. I didn't think it would make a difference, mm. and it really does. So go shake some hands, get out, yeah. walk into the studio, and, see what they're about. Yeah, and a big deal, too, is, like, feeling comfortable with the person who's producing your music, mixing it, mastering it, because, you know, those are the people who you really need to tell, hey, I don't like this or hey I want this instead because especially you know there were some times where I was like well you added that piano sound and I think it sounds bad but I'm just gonna let it go you know because <laughs> I don't know really what I'm talking about and I'm not like comfortable enough to say no I don't like that you know I think having like a good relationship with that person is really special. Yeah we, really we can important. give critical feedback to each other I'm yeah. sure and, and we you know you can you know you're hiring them so making sure that yeah. you can Feeling comfortable with them. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll dig into that. That's, that's a really good start. Um, Severin, mm -hmm. I want to hear about your first album experience. <clears throat> so the first album I ever recorded was with my buddy uh, Connor Richards. He's the drummer for Brooding at the moment. And um, we wrote an entire album over Gmail. So we, like, I would like record like uh, a song and leave a space open for him, and I'd send him a zip. Uh, file so he could record you know his part and then we just did that back and forth for about two months um, 
and yeah, no, it was, uh, it was really, it was an interesting experience. Um, cause all of the, you know, instruments were, you know, software instruments just in logic. Um, and so we were pretty, we were pretty limited on what we could use to record like mics and stuff. So, um, yeah, it opened up like a, an area for a lot of cre creativity. Um, and I still am proud of it today that, you know, the quality isn't as great as it, you know, what I could do now, but, um, and I still got a lot to learn, but, um, but yeah, no, it was just really good to yeah, experiment. Uh, That's cool. Experiment. So the, your first one was a little DIY. It was, yeah. it was a little home studio kind mm -hmm. of project, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I shouldn't say it's a little project. It could have been a big project. Uh, a, a home studio project little, nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> so since then, have you gone and recorded in a studio and done that whole thing since then? And kind of got Oh, first studio like that, ever so. recorded? Yeah. Like, okay. Have, have, um, well, no, no, I mean, I, I think that's a great point. Mm -hmm. um, but, but have you gone and had that experience too? Could you compare and contrast? Oh, like uh, in an actual studio? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I recorded um, an album with... Uh, our guitarist and keyboardist Lydia Shelton mm -hmm. um, at Breathing Rhythm Studios down in Norman. Great. Um, just like right down the road. Um, and we were pretty young. We were like 15 or 16 or something like that. And um, man, I don't know. It was, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I, this is the first time I've ever been in a studio. Um, I got a connection with Breathing Rhythm from uh, my mandolin teacher at the time. And um, we kind of wrote it on the fly, so um, not the greatest album ever. So like, you go into the studio and be writing. <laughs> yeah, while pretty you're much, which was a big mistake. Yeah. Um, so, so how does that affect mistake. the creative process? I would imagine if you're sending files back and forth, you got a lot of time to listen to it in your car, let yeah. the inspiration. Th I mean, you're probably not in any kind of hurry. I would imagine. No, at um, that point, no, we weren't. It compared got, to, oh sorry, oh sorry, I was just like compared to going to a studio and and we got to come up with something right now. Like, you know, we're on the clock. We uh, had like ideas. We didn't have finished songs. So mm -hmm. we kind of like knew kind of where we wanted to take it, but, uh, not really. A lot of it was just, um, shooting from the hip. Gotcha. Um, um yeah. how, how do you think that affects the music when you maybe have a lot of time in, in the first situation versus a little, you shooting from the hip a little more. I mean, were there any situations where one was better than the other or preferable or, the uh, shooting from the hip option, I do not recommend. It was a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, so I would not recommend that. I would uh, record, you know, demos at home first and kind of get the structure all set up and um, know what parts you want to, you know, leave in or take out or change. And then, you know, go into the studio with like it all mapped out beforehand with demos to show the producer and... Um, the recording engineer and all that kind of stuff. Excellent. Yeah. Right on. Uh, I'll go back to Sophia. I want to dig into creative process a little bit. Um, so when, when you did your first album, uh, did you go into there kind of having everything mapped out or were you shooting from the hip, a little of both? So I did five songs and three of them were mapped out. I mean, I had like the structure of all the songs and the lyrics, but I didn't know really... For the three songs, what I like to do is like, even whenever I'm recording myself or others, I'll send like three reference tracks of what I want the, sound to, the song to sound like and how I want it to be mixed and really the style that I'm going for. So I'll find three other songs that sound you know, similar to what I want. And those are fully produced songs that just yeah, are good just inspiration? Yeah, other songs that kind of inspired the song that I'm making. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'll do for like songs that I really know and what I would recommend. But there were two other songs that just 
I was just like, these are good. Let's make something out of them. Yeah. And they were not good. <laughs> yeah. I, I also would not recommend that because it was a lot of just like, oh, let's throw that in there. See how that sounds. I mean, there's a moment where we threw in like bird sounds and waves trying to just make something. Creativity. Yeah. yeah but it almost was like, it was towards the end too, because we waited to do those last. And so we were running out of time. And especially in a studio situation where, you know, you're really just paying for your producer's time, then you don't want to be there for a long time. And then they just start throwing stuff in there. And I was essentially just like, okay, that'll, that'll work. Looks like we can't find anything. So. So I'm really sensing that both of y'all are saying like, you really want to go in there overly prepared. Mm -hmm. I mean, you want to go in there and yeah. be like, I'm not writing songs. I'm, I'm, I'm laying down yeah. parts. Well, I kind of like to think of it now as like kind of how the Beatles went into the studio and just recorded live. Like mm -hmm. I want to be able to do that, even though I'm not going to do that. I want to know that everybody has every single part down and everyone knows exactly what it's going to sound like in the end. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Des, uh, same kind of thing. Tell me about kind of seeing your creative process. Which, uh, of the first albums you've seen, have you seen more success with people who are more prepared in the genres you deal with, or is sort of an improvisational element um, beneficial? I think that a lot of people don't know that when you go to a professional studio, you are pretty much just going there to finish the song. Like it's already done, and you're just going there to finish it. should be no writing really in there. Um, I think a lot of artists forget... Um, not just reference tracks, but reference sounds. Because some of the best albums I've ever heard in my life have like these nuances that make sense to the album that have nothing to do with them, you know, exactly saying something or singing something. So like if you're referencing your childhood, you should probably reference a sound from your childhood. Um, if you're referencing love, you should probably reference something that makes you think about love. Um, I tell people, think about your favorite movies, some of their soundtracks and background music with the violin. Sometimes it's not, you know, a lot, but if you tell a producer, you know, this is what, it's kind of like putting together, like, you ever see, like, an interior decorator that has, like, the fabrics and the color and this, and that's how your album should really be. It should be like pieces that you kind of put together. You have the songs, but you need, you know, you don't, if you don't make the beats, it should definitely be um, somebody there to help you, you know, sew it all together, basically. Right on. Yeah. And I feel like those are the best albums that I've heard, even from people from Oklahoma. Like, they know what they want their drums to sound like. They know what they want their strings to sound like. They know that they want... Um, this part of this movie at the end of this song or they want it to sound like vibey like the internet or something like that so it's just like the idea that you have to come up with more than just your lyrics um, yeah that's great that's a great answer um, kind of hearing you all speak it seems like there's a pretty solid common <laughs> theme of you need to know yourself you need to know what you want you need to go in there with the plan and I think that by the third album I think that's probably pretty doable. First album, I imagine a lot of artists are, are still on that journey, and you're, you're always on that journey. What's the best th advice you can give to somebody who, who maybe I want, wants to record the first album, but they're just still working through all that stuff? How do you, how do you get to know yourself and your sound and what you uh, want to be? There's a couple things. So one is answer your whys. So why are you making an album? Because you like music. Why do you like music? Um, because my mom taught me how to play piano. Did you ask your mom why? Does she want to teach you how to play piano? Like, you have to ask the right. whys of the whys of the whys. Right. I, and you'll get down to some gritty stuff 
that will help not only you finish the album, but also you market the album. Great. Um, also, a really good tip that somebody told me was to read the, was it the Four Agreements? Hmm. The book, it's a book called The Four Agreements. Okay. So I have a friend that reads that book every time he starts a new album. Really? It also helps you understand who you are, why you're here, and how you connect to others um, without, you know, um, needing other people, but producing something that makes people want to be around. Because for the Four Agreements is basically about, you know, being kind to others, not taking anything personal, um, basically stuff like that. Just you being you and present and having gotcha. other people understand that. So, so sort of a lot of it's learning how to, how to be the version of yourself that you need to bring to the table to create and to, exactly. and to share who you are with Yeah, and then it helps you stay in a centered mind state, you know? Sure. Um, the book is great, and it's available on YouTube, so if anybody doesn't want to read it and doesn't want to buy it it's on youtube i love that that's yeah. a great resource yeah, it reminds me of uh simon sinek's start with why you know uh, same kind of thing basically the whole premise being people people don't care about what you're selling they care about why you're selling it so you know people don't care about what you're writing about they care about why you're writing it exactly. um I, th I think that's a great insight and i agree i find that if i ever ask why five times i'm all of a sudden having an existential crisis you get into some gritty stuff <laughs> Matrix type. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go five wise deep. So, uh, Sophia, have you have you uh, anything to add to that? Or, uh... Yeah. So I think that like brings me back to my first album because I was my why was pretty much oh I want to be a famous singer like that'd be cool I'd get an album <laughs> out people will like me you know and that right. was not enough you know and it, yeah. especially like going into the studio and being like oh I have no idea what I'm doing but. He thinks that'll sound poppy and cool, and I guess that's what people like, so that's what I'm gonna do, you know? And now that my why is more like, well, this is what makes me alive, you know? This is what makes me feel like a human or whatever, you know? Like, my why sure. is way bigger than that, that it, you know, I'm, I'm doing more what I wanna do and not what I think other people will wanna do. And I think that's a big part of it, too, because if you're doing what other people wanna do, then it's not personal and it doesn't, if it doesn't make you light up, then why are you doing it? Exactly, absolutely, yeah. I think that's something that really gets people people excited and, and something they can rally around and tell their friends about and give it a chance to grow. Yeah. Um, anything to add, Severin? Um, yeah, so the question was like, why did you... Well, well just the, the original question being, uh, you know, for people who are really at the beginning of their journey, you know, obviously I think we agree it's really important to, to figure out who you are and why you're doing what you're doing. And uh, I originally said, you know, by the third album, I could see that, but the first album, you know, when maybe you're young, like. How do, you, how do you do that searching? Like, like, how as an artist do you figure out what you're about in a timely enough manner that you're able to go to the studio prepared and, mm -hmm. and have opinions about sounds and, and make decisions? Um, honestly, all I'm trying to do with you know, music and what I try to do with the first album um, is uh, capture a moment, pretty much, um, tell a story, um, I don't know if that's answering your question or not. Well, let's uh, go with that. I love okay, it. So tell, um, me about, tell me more about your creative process. Um, yeah, just capturing a moment. Like all those songs I wrote, you know, four years ago, I hate them. But they always make me think of a certain moment or like a, a certain area, you know. Um, and I hope that it resonates with other people. Sorry, I had to throw That's it nice. Uh, thank, the resonator, you. Right? thank you. Thank yeah. <laughs> um, But no, that's all I had to add. That's great. So can you give me an example of one of those moments? I'm actually pretty curious. So yeah. even if it's an old, stale one, like what's a moment that you captured? 
Okay. Um, it was uh, Brooding's latest release. It, I'm not going to talk about my old music anymore. Um, it was <laughs> Brooding's latest release, though, um, called Arms Around Me. Um, I was taking home a girl on a dirt road, you know, um, after, like, hanging out or something. And, um, yeah, I think with the first verse, I tried to capture that um, as well as I could. Um, if you want to listen to the song, you can... Uh, Available all platforms, yeah, can, Spotify, available, iTunes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Check the sound <laughs> Yeah. But um, yeah, maybe you can see where I'm coming from. from there. Yeah, that's great. And I, I mean, I feel like if you really have that guidance, you know, maybe if you don't fully know who you are as a person, at least like, I've had this experience, I know what it feels like. And when I hear one sound versus another, I know which one to me as, as an individual encapsulates that more and, mm -hmm. and probably gives you some guidance on how to make decisions and, and, uh, and go into the studio prepared and ready to communicate. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's great. Um, man, I'd love to, to delve a little bit more into uh, not just so, uh, not as much conceptual, but I mean, tell me some stuff you were really going through, like mentally, uh, whether it's uh, stress, whether it's frustration, and uh, maybe share some kind of challenge you, you've, you've experienced and how you, how you got through it. Well, can I, to add to what he was saying, um, like you write your songs about more of a moment physically, I guess. My songs are more about an emotional moment, I guess you know and so that kind of is what drives me to go you know mm. so really man that's a hard question <laughs> um yeah i mean my best songs i think are the ones that i wrote when i experienced the hardest stuff and i think that i wrote them in a sense of you know i wanted to connect with other people who have gone through that because it's you know i always feel like i'm the only one and so i'll express that feeling so other people don't feel that way you know mm. And so it's, you know, whenever I go through emotional stuff or things that are just hard mentally going through with music and trying to figure out my path and what I'm doing, I'll write about it and kind of get it out. And so I think that's a really good way to go about that kind of stuff is try to write about it or try to find a melody or a tune that makes it, you know, helps you get that emotion out. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, do you find that challenging? I mean, I mean it sounds like some of that stuff is maybe a little painful and you kind of got to hone in on it and put yourself yeah. in that headspace. What's yeah. that like? To... I mean, it's not fun at the time. <laughs> do you find it therapeutic at the moment or is it tough? And I mean, how do you, how do you deal yeah, with kind of I the mean, emotional stress of that? So I, with the, with the stress really, I mean, I've, I get a lot of stress and anxiety before shows and just like, you know, not, not knowing if people are into my music, not knowing if people like what I, my brand is and stuff mm. like that. And that's really, I mean, that's hard just to question yourself because you never see yourself the way other people see you. Right. And so, I mean, whenever I write about that or whenever I'm just, a lot of the songs I write, I'm never releasing or anything too. I'm just writing to get it out myself. And it's always like a painful process. But then afterwards, I'm like, well, I feel better about it. I got that out. And then it's, you know, I'm more relaxed afterwards. So, so kind of pushing through it and getting to the other side. Yeah. And like yeah. once it's out, you can, you can breathe. You can breathe and <laughs> yeah. move forward. But, you know, there is a ton of that, like, questioning of yourself, I think, trying mm -hmm. to be a musician and trying to especially show other people your music. Showing people my first album was probably the hardest thing ever. And then I took a break and I was like, well, what am I doing? And then I came back and just wrote about, like, the realest stuff, you know, and I just let myself be as like raw and as pure as I can be. And it's really hard because I feel like, you know, I'm pretty much just open letting people judge what I'm doing, but I think it's kind of worth it to get my music out there, you know? Absolutely. But I 
do a lot of yoga now. Yoga, meditation. <laughs> yoga, nice. Yeah. <laughs> self-care, yeah. Yeah, self-care is really important, I think, especially whenever you're just open and be like, hey, judge me. Here are my feelings. Right, here I am. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. That's, thanks for sharing that. Des, um, I, w I want to hear a crazy story about somebody going through the creative process. What's your craziest? So um, I'll say when I was in Tucson recently, uh, I'd mentored a couple of artists for a couple of minutes. And I met this one guy who was just not understanding how some of the popular rappers can make such a big impact with little, with giving so little, even though, you know, the system is rigged via social media for rich people. So, like, I had to let him know that. <laughs> but just the fact that when I meet rappers and they compare themselves to certain people and I'm just like, even they either match that or they don't. So there's... I meet a rapper who says MF Doom is his, somebody who he wants to be like. And I'm like, well, do you write every day? Because MF Doom is one of the best writers of all time, like hip-hop acts ever. And he doesn't. So you can't literally say that that's who you are. And then I meet this guy who's the same guy who was telling me how to certain rappers. And this, and this fact, it was J. Cole. And so I started asking him about his life. I was like, are you in love? And I, this is the second time I have met this guy, but I never learned I never learned anything from him my first time meeting him. And that's just who he was. He was just very, you know, kind of surface level. Like, you have to dig a little deeper than you kind of need to. <laughs> you probably think you need to. Mm -hmm. So I talked to him for a little bit, try to pry and see what I could find. Um, but supposedly he has a girl, but he never wrote a song about her or wrote a song about love, which is ridiculous. And so I asked about his childhood and I said, you're vegan. What made you go vegan? He's like, well, <laughs> I was a big child. And I said, well, you, did you write a song about that? Because childhood obesity is real, yeah. real and adult obesity is real. And I would love somebody to make a song about my fat. <laughs> but, you know, because I relate to that. Like, let's talk about that for real. Sure, you know. Yeah. But those are the type of things that'll make somebody, you know, put down their drink and look at you while you're performing because, like, they've probably been through something like that. But the fact that they probably make songs based on what people want to hear, except, you know, songs that they could have been making or songs that people probably need to hear, you know? So I think that's the difference um, in making a whatever song and making an impactful one. Like, what do people need to hear? What do you think people need to hear? Mm -hmm. What did you learn through this? I feel like if you're an artist, you should be learning and whying all the time. So yeah, yeah, I mean, it sounds like especially in that example, you know, what makes someone stop when they hear a great song? Yeah, and it almost doesn't matter what it's about, but it's like you know, Sophia's talking about digging deep and, and getting your true self out there. I think most people agree authenticity is just critical, and you can't. It is, be and it's tough, to, but. You have to understand, like, you've been through things that a lot of people have been through, and right. you don't want to talk about it. Parents divorce, you know, losing a best friend. Like, these are things that we've all, we've, we've all have had sadness, in our, which is sad that we have to make songs about sadness, but we've all had sadness, we've all wanted love. Like, these are the things that, so you shouldn't be afraid to talk about your story that pertains to that, yeah. So another thing you mentioned was comparison. These guys either, you know, comparison. I think comparison is fine. I just, mm -hmm. if it's accurate. So, so how do you go about that? Because, you know, I, I know that, you know, it's important to be inspired by certain artists and to take in those ideas and maybe to compare your art with theirs. But, but also I know that comparison can be a huge 
uh, a huge stumbling block in creativity sometimes. How, how, it can. How do people manage that successfully? You know, I feel like comparison is great, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, it can help you with reference tracks and reference sounds. It can help you with marketing to um, fan bases that they already have created and pitching to writers and radio people that have already talked to them because they've already care about their music and your music's similar. Um, I feel like creativity is like one of those things that you definitely have to have. But in this instance, I really do like the fact that people can compare because relativity is like what human beings like live on. Right. So for you to say you sound like no nothing nobody's ever heard, we may not even care. It may just have to be that thing that just comes in style, which right. you know nobody has their finger on the pulse like that, as far sure. as like something brand new. So yeah, I guess having some kind of something to compare it to allows you to communicate about it and then talk about it in a way that is actually appreciable to people who are experiencing it the first time or trying to get people interested in it. Yeah, I feel you on that. Sophia, tell me about comparison for you as an artist. I've always found it a negative thing for myself personally, because mm-hmm. uh, I never compare myself to who I want to be, I don't think. I compare myself to who I see on the internet or on the radio, you know? I'm like, well, what makes them better than me? And maybe I need to sound like them. And that's definitely like a personal mental thing that I need to get through. But mm-hmm. like, I'm a private vocal coach and I'll have clients come in who like, I had this one specific client who just had this strong, like beautiful belting voice and was just like, why can't I sound like Billie Eilish, who has the softest, sweet little voice ever, you know? And was just like, well, I just, you know, I keep trying to sound like her and I just keep comparing myself and recording myself and I just don't sound like her. And, you know, I think that's, you know, comparison is good if it's accurate, you know? If you're doing that same kind of thing, it's okay. But, you know, if I look at myself and I'm like, well, why aren't I Billie Eilish and I'm blues rock and roll, you know, it's not the same at all Mm -hmm. you know so I think it's okay to an extent and I think it's okay if it's you know you're comparing yourself to learn well what can I do that makes me better you know what what are they doing that I should be doing but not in a sense of doing something that you don't want to do you know just learning from them and don't compare yourself to somebody that you're not trying to be you know yeah gotcha absolutely um man that's great that's a lot of good insight on creativity Severin, um, I want to hear a little bit more nuts and bolts of some stuff that you've gone through um, on your first album or, or some later albums in your creative process that uh, is specific to you as an artist. Specific? Uh, I'll just say, I'll just say, yeah, like some stuff. You know, maybe you struggle with some stuff mm-hmm. that uh, uh, in your creative process that you think uh, not necessarily nobody else does, but it's kind of specific to you. And you're like, this really describes my process of creation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I struggle with, you know same thing comparing myself a lot so it's really hard to kind of pinpoint a genre i want to make sometimes Mm. um so i try everything under the sun and that may not be the best thing but at the same time maybe it is you can like pull different um genres and flares into one thing that sounds like nothing else you know and i haven't gotten there yet but um, it's something I strive for on every everything I record. Gotcha. So trying, really pulling from a lot of different mm-hmm. uh, things and inspiration. Um, through that, I mean, have you, has there ever been a time where by doing so you've kind of found something that you now consider a core part of what you, what you do or, or what your sound is? 
It changes so much. It's awful. Um, I really like uh, country and western guitar, like lead guitar, like chicken picking and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I try to incorporate that as much as I can um, into the music. And then... Um, Man, I'm drawing a blank right now. Yeah, that's yeah. fair enough. That's um, fair enough. No, I just I just go in and out of a whole bunch of different genres, and it irritates yeah. me a lot. So yeah, but yeah. So if you're going back to, let's say, 15, 15 year old first time in a studio, mm -hmm. right? Um, what what would you go back and tell fifteen year old you about that experience and and how to prepare for it specifically? Work on your songs more. Um, don't. Do not try to rip off other bands because I had a very, very bad problem of doing that. Hmm. Um, and yeah, finish your songs before you go into the studio because <laughs> <laughs> that's a big headache. Um, yeah. yeah, those are probably the three main things. Um, also, save as much time as you can because, uh, yeah, you're on uh, engineers on the clock. So, yeah. So just the money issue. Sophia, that, I mean, this is a question I want, I want to hear from everybody. What do you go back until you step into the studio for your first time? I mean, speak to them where they are. A lot of times this is a young kid uh, and with their perspective. What do you tell them? Uh, Be confident in what you're doing. Don't judge what you're doing. I think that was one of my biggest problems is that I was like, well, this is what I like, but maybe other people won't. So mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, I was holding back what I was. And that really made me, you know, regret what I had done. And I wish I had known to just be, you know, stand tall and be confident in what I, what I like and what I believe in just because the person who's recording my album doesn't like it, you know, other people will. And it's okay to be different. Right. And it's okay not to do, you know, the whatever's pop or whatever's, you know, popular right now because things are constantly changing, you know. Yeah. Just, yeah, I think being confident and don't judge yourself and just kind of let the creativity flow through you. I love it. I love that. That's great. Des, advice for either, either yourself or, or some other people. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, to me, I would say to learn how to meditate way earlier than I did. I don't, yeah. I was never afraid or unassured though when I was young. Like I was never that person. I knew who I wanted to be for sure. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> Off top. Like, <laughs> I think I got shoes from when I was 16, and I'm like, them are still banging. Anyways, I had good choices. Like, I'm consistent. <laughs> also, I would tell myself, you know, I, would, I wish I had known there was like four people in the music industry. It's like a handful of people in the music industry. Yeah. So they all, and they all know each other. Um, I would tell a young artist to take the time to build relationships because... I didn't know what I was doing. I was just hanging out with my friends and they were making me go to festivals and making me go to classes and making me sit in seminars because they were all in the seminars. And I was like, okay, I'll sit in there with y'all with my little bottle of wine. <laughs> with my little bottle of wine. And I, I absorbed everything because they weren't talking to me. They was all paying attention. So I was like, I guess I'm going to pay attention. I did that for a couple of years. <laughs> mm -hmm. But take the time to build relationships because it takes years to get those really good relationships and they can help you in your career for a very, very, very long time. Um, so if you're young, sleep on some floors, travel, build those relationships, share a, you know, a hot ham and cheese or whatever you need to do. 
you got to get those building blocks. A lot of those people that you'll be meeting and hanging out with when you're young and they're young are usually going to go up to and do great things. So, and it has happened like with my friends. So, mm-hmm. all you guys will need each other soon. So, yeah. That's good. And yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's, that really resonates with me. I, I think breaking bread with people, even if you don't know why you're doing it, like just really focusing on making great Yeah, they're, they have good, nice, kind vibes then you sh- you should keep them around if they're looking out for you and you don't really know why like one of my best mm-hmm. friends in Atlanta the first day I met him I had a swollen knee I was sick I didn't know what was wrong and he picked me up and went to carry me places without asking for my number nothing he was just around and he's mm-hmm. still my best friend to this day so doesn't even live here yeah. random places yeah that's amazing those are the best people to work with yeah. people that you know just at some level just really care about your success yeah. and want you to want to see absolutely you yeah yeah it makes you be a little more confident i think so that's awesome i think that we have time for some q a now so we're going to open it up to the audience anybody out there who's got a question about the first album Come through. yes uh so we talked about the the creative process basically when we talk when it comes to tracking when it comes to recording my question is more when we start writing. So um, how important do y'all feel, this is to me a question for all of y'all, for anybody, um, how important do y'all feel it is to research whatever, or really, I guess, from the, from the main foundation, how important is it to know what concept you're writing about? And then from there, how important is the research into that topic? And then if it is important at all, to what extent do you incorporate into your lyrics in the, in the songs and then to the music and things like that? Or is it better to just kind of go, like you're creating a single every time or just making a different song, trying to align with the purpose of the album, I guess, and just put whatever sounds and get the best at the end of the process? Sure, I'm gonna repeat that question back because it was kind of a few parts to it. Um, but basically, not uh, the question is not specifically writing the parts, but writing the song itself and how do you have kind of coherent concept? Um, how much does uh, you know one single need to tie to the other, how do you kind of write words that speak to a specific idea or concept? Is that more or less a question? Yeah, go ahead. I already had an answer. (laughs) No, No, okay, I feel like, so I'm very much like, (laughs) sometimes I feel very spiritual, like I feel really connected to spirits, like in a very strange way. (laughs) Like I want everybody to know, very strange way. I don't think there's any coincidences in the music thing. Like, I'm going to put him on the spot. You know, Sid Carter. So I sat down with him a year and a half ago before, he, before you guys met and everything. And he's like, I want to put out this album about vibrations and frequency. And I was like, okay. Have you researched frequency? And, like, even, like, the, was it the, the frequency that, like, supposedly helps your spirit and stuff like that? Like, have you looked into that? Have you looked at your BPMs and all your songs? to see what the frequency is on those. Have you talked to your producer? He's like, no. I said, well, you know, there's no such thing as coincidences. And you don't just make up, like, even if you do decide to name it something, you named it something even bigger than, for a bigger reason than you even know. At least that's how I feel. And literally while we were talking, somebody came in, a friend of mine who does drawings, and he does these portraits, but he uses frequency to, to shade people's faces. He literally showed us while we were having, like literally when I was telling him that. And I told him that there's no coincidence. So I definitely think you should research it. Absolutely. I, <laughs> I was working with an artist who named his album Orphic. And I was like, what kind of word is that? I researched the word, because I was like, that word is weird. And it did something to me. Researched the word, had a dream, 
an Orphic dream, which is based on Orpheus, the god. And then even went somewhere and saw Orphic painting, which I couldn't stop staring at. That's why I say I'm super connected in certain ways. I feel that way. So definitely research. Definitely get connected to that side if you can. Like, it's, it's interesting, but I think it's worth it because... Mm-hmm. Sometimes the album may even be a therapy to push you through something. Yeah. My follow-up question that you kind of helped me articulate is, I guess, how do y'all as creatives um, draw the line where research and planning doesn't overtake creativity and spon- 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 spontaneous or spontaneous? Yeah. How, how do you as creatives balance planning and being really put together and planned out and, and you know, orderly versus being creative and spontaneous and just sort of letting uh, things flow. How do you manage that? I feel like you guys, I feel like you guys being songwriters, you guys probably have like songs that come to you like this and then you have in the middle of probably writing something else. So. So for me personally, I, yeah, that's pretty much, I let the magic songwriting orb come to me and then (laughs) I write it and then normally I'll go back and you know sometimes I'll just write it like poetry or sometimes I'll write it on guitar or piano first and then put lyrics to that but normally I'll write it and I'll let it just happen how it happens and then I'll go back a week or a month later and look at it and I like to go online and find synonyms for the words that I wrote you know like cooler words because um, I don't know big words uh, no yeah yeah but you know I'll I'll make it I'll basically look at my lyrics and make them better, look at my chords and make them, you know, more interesting. And so I'll go back and make it, you know, I'll basically create it and then go back and create it better. Do you collaborate? Sometimes. Sometimes. (laughs) Once before. I need to. It's really important to collaborate. I I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I write all my songs by myself, but then I'll go to, like, my guitarist, who's my main guy, and he'll tell me how to make it better. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, <clears throat> losing my voice, sorry. Um, but yeah, I think that it's really important to just have your creative process completely different from your like marketing process or your purpose process even, you know, just kind of let it happen. I kind of believe that creativity flows through you, not from you. So I don't like to, you know, stop whatever's happening whenever it's happening. Yeah. That's great. Uh, I don't know if I can top that. I second that. And then um, uh, usually what I do is, like, I get really good at, um, I, like, focus on the theory. I focused on theory for, like, a long time um, to just have those tools so I can use those tools when I'm feeling, you know, inspired. I see, like, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you see a movie and it makes you feel a certain way, and so you know you have all the tools to portray that emotion. Um, that's what I do. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, it exactly. Is the audio piece. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's all I have. Sure. What are some funding options y'all have used for albums? So, financing an album, what are options to fund your project? <laughs> of course. Have you ever heard of Kiva? So I know Jarvix has used Kiva. It's a it's kind of crowdsourcing, but you end up paying the people back in increments. So it's not necessarily you taking the money, but as your business, as you meet the goal of your business, you end up paying it back like little bit by little bit. Like 
my um, sister-in-law uses Kiva for her business and it's not super fast. You don't get it paid back super fast. And you also get the option to reinvest the money when people give it back to you. Yeah, it's called Kiva and the independent uh, business people use it all the time. I would suggest that for sure. Um, I know a lot of people use crowdsourcing. Um, I would look and see what options are available through the Oklahoma Film and Music Association here. Um, they help people out a lot. So you'd be surprised <laughs> what they probably could do for you. I know they help uh, sh videographers and uh, movie production people and photographers find places to shoot. So they may help you. To add to that, I think that here in Oklahoma City, I've found a lot of support just through the creative crowd of photographers and videographers who just want to just want to work with you, just want to create something. I think that a lot of people will just do it for free just to do it, just to do it, you know? Um, most photographers or videographers or even some producers will just do it because they want to, you know, grow their portfolio or they are just interested in what you're doing. I mean, finding other people that are passionate about your project will help a lot, too. Um, as for financially, though, get paid at shows. <laughs> get that $6 from every show, put it in a bank account, and keep saving. Um, something very small, uh, to promote or to raise money for our first album, we did a, um, we did a show. And so what we did was like, you can donate as much as you want. Um, if you really support it or if you don't, you know, if you don't want to donate, you can just be there, um, just for, you know, moral support. Um, but yeah, that's what that's what we did. We somehow made it happen um, and just promote that show as much as you can. But yeah. So when I asked it, I was I was hoping I would hear something about advances from labels and things like that. So is it a conscious thing that y'all are doing to be independent throughout this process? Because I was thinking about I've heard of situations where people can like get their like get their album financed, where there's no ownership being transferred, there's no rights being transferred. It's like a simple monetary investment for the person giving the money and you're paying back, like you said, over a certain period of time. Um, so I just wanted to know if y'all maybe or, or know of anybody who's had experience like that from an investor that's not an actual Great. I'm just going to repeat the question for audio. Um, so the question is about advances from record labels or essentially loans that you can repay over time from investors for albums. Any experience with that? I don't know of any that do it in this region. That's legit. So that's, I'm sure that that's an option. Um, also, I've seen people do fundraisers and not just like the fish basket type of fundraiser, but like a very ritzy situation. Like you're paying for a table for in a really nice place um, and your money goes towards funding that. So it could be a option as well. You know, I find this is the analogy I always use for the music industry. It seems you always have like the music industry and then you've got the music industry and you know you say a lot around here there's really not a lot of labels offering that sort of support no. uh here but in, i do in know one US. of the best producers i like i feel like one of the best producers engineers in oklahoma takes payment plans so yeah For sure yeah and I, I think that that's probably uh along with all the other things you're trying to get to know yourself and plan yourself you know as a career are you looking for label support are you trying to go the diy route and I would imagine that funding looks, looks pretty different. I'd imagine that if you're trying to get uh, 
label support, trying to get advances or funding through, through somebody like that. I mean, they're going to be an investor, so they're going to want a stake of ownership of some sort, whether that's being paid back with interest or whether it's almost like equity in your career or, or owning the masters and that kind of thing. So they have the license or telling you what to rap about. Right. Yeah. Really, really guiding that creative process for you. Potentially. <laughs> that's what I hear. Um, yeah. And I think that like be, probably being intentional as an artist and, and deciding what you want for your career, because if you want to go link up with those labels uh, that are offering that kind of support, and there are tons of them out there, you're probably going to have to go to them, because if you're not in a market that has a lot of that, you, you're, going to be, you're going to be looking for grant money, you're going to be looking for having private fundraisers, crowdfunding, DIY kind of stuff, and so you probably have to go to those markets and break bread with those kind of people to, uh, to find those opportunities. To add to that, I just want to, I, I have always thought that my project was always going to be DIY, you know, I've never even thought about labels or anything about that but you know just out of the people that I know I've you know uh, out of the people that I know uh, through the, everybody that I've gotten to know in the music industry I've gotten hooked up with some guys in Austin Texas who are now artist manager producer guys and they're just doing it because they're passionate about the project and they want to see me succeed and they have a really cool studio down there and they're just throwing it all at me because they've seen how hard I've hustled basically and they've seen what I can do by myself and they know that they can do better. And so I think that, you know, meeting people is a big thing because if people are passionate about your project, they'll want to help you and they'll want to see you succeed. Also, they're investors. Investors are around. Um, I know an artist that got an investor by making his business plan of his music. So it could be something to think about if you're looking for an investor, making a business plan just like you own a business. No it's a pitch, yeah. That's a great question. Anybody else? Uh, so I've got a question. When you talk about instead of saying what people want to hear and ha having something to say, uh, I just want to know if you have any advice on maybe finding what you have to say. Great. So the question is uh, how to find what you have to say so that you can really authentically communicate in that album rather than being distracted by what you think people want to hear. What moves you? Even if it's mad simple, what moves you? What what do you like oh, to do? Um, so I'm, I'm a drummer. I, I don't really write songs mm -hmm. the whole time. But uh, like kind of my, my motivation is really just I'd like to do music as a living. You know? Okay. When why would you want, why do you want to do music as a living? Uh, well, because it's just I don't know. It's like pretty much the only thing I do really. Why have you not taken up any other hobbies? You let drumming. Like, do you have to ask, it sounds weird, but you really do have to answer those questions. Like, why do you like drumming? Why do you, because it's the only thing you do, why? Because that's not everybody, you know? So if it moves you, do you have, to, you have to influence other people to understand that as well. Like, it moves him, so it should move me. Um, even if it's really simple, what moves you is really simple. Like, if you like tater tots, it might be somebody out there that likes tater. If you make a really good tater tot song, it might go off. <laughs> if you're really, really, really passionate about tater tots. If it's genuine, I, I could get behind a song about tater tots. Look, yeah, I could do it. Even if it's, you know, there's mad Pokemon songs out there that's pretty popular. So if it's, even if it's superficial, if it's meaningful to you, you should write about it. Mm -hmm. I love that. Anybody else? Yes, sir. So, like, if you have music um, or you have an album per se, like, 
what's the next step or how do you get someone or like a group of people interested in or like this process of promoting that group? I love it. So you got your first album, you figured out what you're about. How, how do you get people interested in the thing that you've created? <laughs> Des says, I got you. <laughs> what, do you what do you, okay, you really have to close your eyes. I did this mentorship, same thing in Tucson. Close your eyes. What do you think that person looks like that would like your music? Yeah, what do they look like? <laughs> it's hard to think about. Do they go to school? Do they like their mom? Do they go to Empire Slice House and get a, a rock steady or two? Or do they like regular ass, you know, pepperonis? You got literally, it sounds wild, but you really do got to think about that. Like, what do, what do I think my fan base likes to do? Would they go to the Tank and the Bangas concert that's coming to our theater? Because that's really soulful music. Or would they go to Christian's rooftop party he's going to be doing next month? Like, are they going to be at Sidecar? Or is that like not their scene? Or, or are they like skateboarding behind Sidecar? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it literally is that. And then you really just need to go and, and build a relationship with them people. Like it doesn't even have to be a lot. It sounds crazy, but those are the things you have to think about. How old they are, where do they live, where do they hang out, where do they listen to, you know, what are they doing on the holidays, what do they do in their free time? Because I'm sure you can put up a flyer where they skate or you know, run into them somewhere where everybody hangs out, the movie theater, at the Avenger screening. You know what I'm saying? Like, it really is that simple. It sounds crazy, but it is that simple. And a lot of those, and sadly, a lot of people in Oklahoma don't even listen to our music scene, so they have no idea that you're around. Like, and I'm sure they would love to be a part of your world. But you got to get in their world a little bit. So I love really, that answer. Yeah, yeah, like, I mean, just treating your fan base like this is an individual person. What, what's their day-to-day -day like? What's, what do I have to do to make them want to be a part of this? And so some of my friends are in the top-level music industry. The, the music industry at top level is really lost. Like, they have no idea what the heck they're doing. They have no idea what they're doing. And I have one friend that works with um, a, really, a pretty popular rapper. And he says, you know, the music industry, they think that it's this when really it's always been about one person at a time. Even somebody like Rhapsody, the rapper, she says that it takes like seven years to build a solid fan base that's going to follow you. So you also need to make, make sure you're making very truthful music because what you make now could be superficial and that's fine. You're young. And also you should also make music that helps you grow up because all your fans are going to be growing up as well. And they can still relate to it. Man, that's that's a great answer. That, yeah, you nailed it. Well, thank y'all. This is the part where we're gonna let everybody go through and plug their next thing, so you can know what to look for. Go ahead and lay it on them. All right. So, brooding, we're playing um, with Mad Honey and Gloom Cruise this Friday at the Opolis. Um, we're also playing Norman Music Fest Saturday at 12:30 um, at the Opolis. Um, should have a new single coming out by next week, hopefully. Right. We'll we'll see we'll see where we are. But um, yeah, that's uh, that's all from me.
So my band, Sophia Massad, will be playing Norman Music Fest on April 26th. That's a Friday at 7 p.m. at the Gray Street stage. And uh, yeah, you can find my music online everywhere. Uh, and we'll have a new single coming out in the next couple months. So keep up. Um, you can find me on the Rap Podcast, releasing every Friday, anywhere you get podcasts. Also, my site, gotsteez.net. Um, you can go there and find everything about me or type in hashtag gotsteez and everything will pop up. Um, yeah, that's it for I you. I love it. Go follow them. Um, as far as me, love for you to follow OK Sessions, and we'll try to tell you what's going on in the music scene as best we can and invite you to cool events we're putting on. Uh, this is the first episode of Art and Victory from Show Start, from the Show Starts Now Studios. So please, uh, we want to keep this thing going. It's awesome. They're going to be back for episode two with a whole new panel of creative entrepreneurs. So go follow Show Starts Now Studios. Go follow Art and Victory. Go follow everything that Dennis Spielman does because it's awesome. Thank you to our panelists, all three of y'all, for your time today and your expertise. Thank you to The Resonator for hosting us. This space is amazing here on Main Street in Norman. And uh, thank you to our studio audience that came in and asked great questions and hung out with us today. Uh, that's it, and we can't wait to see you at the next one. Good job, team.